Welcome to Think Again with L. Nathan Hare, sponsored by the Community Action Organization of Erie County. If you would like to participate on today's program, call now, 803-1520. That's 803-1520. All right, here we go. Think again. Think again. Welcome to our Top of Discussion program, sponsored by the Community Action Organization of Western New York, still fighting the war on poverty, now in our 53rd year. Each week, we talk to you about issues, events, and trends affecting you right here and right now in Buffalo and the Western New York community, and in fact, connect you to communities all across the country. I'm your host, L. Nathan Hare, President and CEO of the Community Action Organization. Make us a part of your Saturday every Saturday at ESPN 1520 AM on your dial from 11 o'clock to 12 noon each week. Now, today's program is live, so you can call in. You can join our discussion. hope that you will. Our number here again is 803-1520. That's 803-1520. 1520. Well, finally, enough Republicans have come to a little bit of their senses and stopped uh, holding the American people hostage to a uh, Trump campaign promise to build a wall that uh, Mexico uh, would pay for. There was never a crisis. Uh, Routine budget appropriations uh, uh, were underway to fund parts of government that, uh, for the remainder of fiscal year 2019 through September 30th of uh, this year, Trump decided to use the appropriations process to inject his desire for a border wall. This was never about border security. There were already funds allocated for 7,500 new Border Patrol uh, 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 persons. There, were, there was nearly $2 billion Uh, budgeted for repair, uh, electronic security, drones, uh, fencing, walls where appropriate, uh, and so on. In fact, there was never a a Democratic pushback against the idea of having any pieces of wall anywhere. There's already pieces of wall along the border that were built during Republican and Democratic uh, administrations. In fact, President Obama has expanded it much more than, than George Bush had done. Trump still uh, hasn't administered the expense of the monies that have already been allocated. There's money for uh, uh, expanding the number of of, uh, judges that would help to determine whether or not somebody qualified for asylum, money not spent. Uh, The uh, uh, 7,500 Border Patrol uh, uh, funding, money is already there. As I've said uh, a few times, uh, the Trump administration hired a company out of Ireland to to recruit and vet candidates to become Border Patrol agents in the United States. And over the past uh, year and a half or almost two years, they spent something like $23 million, and they've only gotten two Border Patrol agents hired out of 7,500 that were authorized under the legislation. So it's really clear that, that this president, and I, I use that word advisedly, uh, is not really concerned about uh, budget or, or about uh, a border security. What this is really all about is Donald Trump grandstanding at America's expense. But every Republican legislator, every federal Republican legislator should be held accountable for this despicable offense against the American people. Every one of them stood with this person stood with this craziness. This has become a Republican strategy of hostage-taking in order to get people's way. And it has to stop. 
So I'm not a fan of, you know, kicking this can down the road for another, you know, 17 days or, or 20 days, whatever it is. I'm not a fan of that. But if that if that's where we are, that's where we are. My position, my position would be that whatever happens next, A, the government has to be funded in all of its parts by through through September 30th of this year. Number one. Number two, it has to become forbidden by legislation for any administration to take the government of the American people hostage just to achieve a uh, a legislative or, or a political end. That just has to be. This can never happen again. This is as despicable as something can be. Listen, last week, and I'll get more into this as we go along, but last week, uh, uh, one of our callers, I don't want to name names, uh, asserted that the average federal worker was paid $120,000 a year. I said that that was not true. I got pushback. I went to an article by uh, Eugene Kiley that asked, are federal workers unpaid? It was a 2010 article. And in this article, the Federal Office of Personnel Management and Unions that represents federal employees says on average, federal employees are paid 24% less than those in the private sector. Senator uh, Rand Paul of Kentucky is uh, one of the ones that made this assertion that the caller made last week that the average federal employee makes $120,000 a year. The average private employee uh, made uh, $60,000 a year. And this has become a, G- a GOP uh, talking point, uh, but it's just it's just misleading. Uh, I don't want to go through all of the details. We only have so much time. But the Office of Personnel Management says uh, f- uh, federal civilian workers are, uh, on average, are paid 24% less than private sector workers a figure based on surveys conducted by the Bureau of Labor Statistics and often cited by unions and their Democratic allies. Uh, This uh, uh, report that Rand Paul and and, uh, Carl last week was uh, referring to is a report, uh, uh, a study done by the Cato uh, Institute, which is one of these very right-wing think tanks. Uh, It was reported in uh, August 2010 of USA Today. It gives the impression that federal workers are getting an average of 120000 in gross pay. However, that figure includes total compensation paid to all uh, uh, federal workers, and it's total compensation that includes compensation that goes to people who are not working right now. In other words, you have people who are retired who are getting uh, retirement benefits. You have people from not only the defined contribution plan that is the pension basis that is used or, or structure that's used today, but you also have workers from the uh, defined benefit plan in the civil uh, service uh, uh, pension plan that was uh, the, the dominant plan up until the uh, mid-1980s. Their benefits and their health insurance, which are also covered, uh, are part of the total compensation. That's when you divide the total number of federal workers into that much larger figure. That's where you get something somewhat close to the one hundred twenty thousand dollar figure that's being uh, talked about. 
in the, uh, the, the, the Cato report. Um, so I don't want to get too far into the weeds on this thing. It's important for you to understand that the average uh, federal civilian worker is, is more educated than the average uh, private sector worker. The Office of Ma- Personnel Management reports that uh, a little bit over 44 percent of federal civil uh, uh, civilian workers hold a bachelor's degree uh, in a uh, study done in Minnesota. That was comparable. That could be. It looks like it would be the uh, prototype across the country. Only 18.7 percent of uh, private sector employees uh, held a bachelor's degree, um, and 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 so on. So uh, we can go into the weeds on this when uh, uh, John calls back. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to give his name. Uh, but we can, we can go into the weeds on this as we as we go forward. I just wanted to hit something. Really quickly before I get our callers working here, I'm going through my paper. There we go. So this you just got to work with me on. They virtually crucified the first president, George Bush, George H.W. Bush, for not knowing how to use a cash register, a a cash register. Yet those in this country who support this man seem to reward, (coughs) uh, seem to reward uh, Donald Trump for his disdain for the millions of lives he is deliberately harming. Trump and his commerce secretary think that millions of people being laid off uh, are, or who are working without getting paid, that they can, ju- they can just get stuff from local grocers and trust that the grocers will be paid back when the government reopens. Now, this is from an article written by Donica Pfeiffer. I won't go through all of the details, but it says uh, uh, Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross, uh, who made headlines when he stated that he didn't understand why federal workers needed to make use of free services such as food pantries during the course of this 35-day layoff. Apparently, he hadn't gotten the news that if you are an essential employee, you still have to go to work, which means you're still buying gas to fill up your car, you're still buying groceries, you still have to pack a lunch, you're still dropping your child's off at a daycare center, you're paying for your daycare, you're paying for your rent, you're paying for your mortgage, uh, you, you, you may still have medical bills to pay. Uh, expenses don't stop when your paycheck stops. Uh, another article um, by, uh, I think this was, was Zach uh, uh, Moeller, because then, of course, if you are not an essential employee, there is no assurance that you will be paid for the time period that you have been off. Uh, unpaid unpaid uh, federal workers should be able to get assistance from this. According to Trump, he says that uh, unpaid federal workers should be able to get assistance from banks and uh, grocery stores. Here's his words, quoting him. Local people uh, who, <laughs> who know who they are when they go for groceries and everything else. Uh Trump apparently believes that the area supermarkets have a client-customer relationship with their stores, and since they they know the people who come in for groceries and everything else, the stores would just give these workers whatever goods they needed uh, and then uh, catch them up whenever uh, the the federal government opens and uh, things settle down. Trump refers to this as work-along that the banks, markets, gas stations, utility companies, and so on would just work along with their customers to ride the shutout, the showdown, uh, shutdown out. Of course, this is the same Donald Trump that borrows money from people, and then when the, the ventures don't work out, uh, he works along with these uh, uh, banks and doesn't pay them. He just kind of works them along, restructures the, uh, uh, the loans, pays a little bit of the interest and then goes bankrupt on the, the banks and never pays them off at all. He goes off to the races to do uh, something else. Um, 
And so that's what happens all the time, according to uh, to Donald Trump, that uh, they know the people they've been dealing with. Uh, they've been dealing with them for years and they just work along the grocery stores. I think that's probably what Wilbur Ross meant, too. Uh, so you have to ask yourself, is it a practical thing uh, f- for you to expect uh, grocery stores and banks and, and uh, uh, home uh, uh, mortgage providers and so on to allow you to borrow money against the promise that the federal government is going to give you some more money sometime in the future? Uh, they talked about Wilbur Ross talked about uh, using the credit unions uh, to provide loans for employees who didn't have uh, paychecks. They are charging 9% for the loans to the 20,000 or so uh, federal employees. Uh, and they, were, they could get up to $5,000 with up to 24 uh, months to pay. So that's as far as I can go in the time that I have. Let me get our, our callers on, Tony, first, and then we'll get Rambo Jim on. I'm sure we're going to have a lot of conversation here. So let me start with Tony. Tony, how are you doing out there? Raring to go, raring to go. <laughs> This is just so crazy. I mean, it it's so crazy. I can't put it in a 10-minute prologue. <laughs> well, uh, we live in the land of make-believe anyway. Uh, I, I checked on the figure after you discussed it with John and found that in May of 2012, something called Flan News, uh, I, I think that's a something on the internet mm-hmm. says that the federal employees average wage is fifty one thousand three hundred dollars right fifty one three hundred that's what i found now when i was nine years old i used to go shopping at a grocery store that actually lent credit to me to mm-hmm. my, for my mother when i went to shop so i paid what i could and then they would put it on a book Back in 1878, I have ledgers that did the same thing mm-hmm. from company from a person that did the same exact thing with his his or her customers uh, selling butter and other other goods in that time. I want to know why you stopped using Hollow Man. <laughs> I'm really angry with you. Yeah, I, I I just got so far into the talking about stuff, I I start uh, I, I jump past using those those words. But you are so right. Ask yourself this. Most people don't get their groceries from, you know, Bishop's Groceries Grocery Store or U.S. Foods. They get their groceries from supermarkets. You go to Wegmans or Aldi's or uh, Top Supermarket right now or, you know, Budget, whatever those big supermarkets are, and tell them, oh, by the way, I'm a federal employee, you know, from Buffalo. Uh, I'm not going to get any money for the foreseeable future. Can I just go over here and, and get some thread and some food and uh, get me, uh, you know, some snips and this and that? What in the world do you think they're going to say to you if, if you try that? <laughs> hey, well, don't don't tell the, uh, the uh, people that are in this uh, cabinet. <laughs> the reality, well, here's the point. Reality and truth have no meaning for over one-third of this country. Yep. They can't see the corruption in that Trump administration. Why have, like, 17 people been indicted to the Mueller probe that were near to the president? Yesterday, Roger Stone was indicted for intimidating a witness and lying to Congress. Trump Trump was right, though. He could go in the middle of Broadway in New York City, shoot and kill someone, and not be charged with the crime. We should That's do some research. Opinion. We should do some research. It may be that he's already done that. 
<laughs> well, I'm not, I cannot speculate on that issue, but I can tell you that he has a way of reaching out to people in La Costa Nostra and other crime syndicates that can do considerable damage to a family uh, that does not cooperate when they testify. Mm-hmm. You're John talking about Cohen. Mm-hmm. When you threaten somebody, you're intimidating a witness. Wilbur Ross should never be a cabinet official because he lied to Congress in his, uh, when he was being considered. But this guy said on TV that a person that's been uh, laid off during this time could just walk down to any old bank yep. and ask for a loan. Yep. He didn't well, understand why people, why aren't they doing that? Well, because they have no collateral to offer. I mean, <laughs> this guy this guy is a crook. This and guy I, is a, to, he's a billionaire. He's, right, he's a billionaire himself. He does not do any buying himself. Somebody buys things for him. He has no conscience, no 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 conception of what he's talking about. He thinks that individual workers for the federal government can do what he does. You know, they yep. can snap their fingers and somebody will just go get him stuff and say, oh, you know, that's Billy. You know, uh, he'll pay you back well, in a couple of months. I, I enjoyed looking at his $600 a pair of slippers. Hmm. I was envious. I want those for myself. Well, I'm not going down that road. <laughs> $600 slippers he was wearing to a meeting last yep. week. Yep. I like Elizabeth Warren's wealth tax, mm-hmm. which would tax over 50 people who have over $50 million. Over that, they would be taxed. That would help increase the revenue. It is interesting that Kevin Haskins, Haskins the economic council guru for Trump, on the TV, stated on Tuesday that there will be, if this strike continued, there could be zero GDP. Right. Zero in the quarter. Remember when President Obama was raked over the coals for as 1.4 growth? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that? Yep. And here's something that you won't hear in American station. The comedian ambassador... Get this, a Canadian ambassador is asking the Trump administration to stop the extradition of a Chinese woman executive. That mm. was on that was on the news in right. Canada this right. morning. Right. right. That lady is being held, remember? Yep. They're trying to get her and try her yep. for stealing our stealing our, our, our uh, different secrets and stuff. <laughs> it's amazing. It's just amazing. And yet people still think that Trump actually has done something. Well, he's met his match because Nancy Pelosi is, uh, you know, they can criticize her for looks and everything else. But this lady knows what she's doing. And she has the right to keep the president out of the chamber as long as she wants. She can keep him out for the next year. He can't walk in. In fact, she can keep anyone she wants under her powers out of the House of Representatives. That's amazing. And here's a good one for you. After after the Trump Rose Garden collapse, I would call it, or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, WBEN Radio had said, uh, one of their, Tom Barley said, the president won. Yep. The president has won because he now has three weeks to get his wall. This is the classic putting lipstick on a pig 
scenario. That's right. right. Yeah, it's just it's just amazing how people can't see beyond their own nose. Yep. Thank you, Mr. Al Mason. Have a great weekend. All right, Tony. You be well. Talk to you next week. Let's take our first break, and then we'll get Rambo Jim on. So if you st- uh, st- stick with us, we will see on side of the break here at Think Again. Think Again. Parents, is your child struggling with reading? Are they always complaining it's boring? Well, the Community Action Organization of Erie County, Inc. is still accepting applications for the Rising Readers Club offering free, yes, I said free, fun, interactive, intensive reading program for children in grades K-12. through The CAO Rising Readers Club provides small group instruction with certified teachers, snacks, and free transportation. Yes, free transportation home to those who need it. Five days a week from 2.30 to 7 p.m. at four convenient locations to choose from. Edward Saunders Community Center on Bailey, Pratt Willard Community Center on Pratt, JFK Community Center on Hickory, and Martha Mitchell Community Center on Oakmont Street. You've seen your child's report card. If you're looking for quality after-school tutoring that can help improve their grade, help is on the way. Make your child a CAO Rising Reader and have fun at the same time. Call today, 881-5150. That's 881-5150. Certain eligibility requirements apply. It's another program of excellence brought to you by the Community Action Organization of Erie County. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Doggo Suds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Doggo Sud shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Doggo Suds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. N-O-V-I-T-E Indeed knows it's hard to find qualified candidates when you're hiring. It's like finding a unicorn. But when you post your job on Indeed, it's easy to find people with the skills you need. Nurse practitioner, four plus years experience, acute care certification. Indeed has a huge pool of amazing candidates and screener tools that help you find your most qualified applicants. Whoa, an entire short list of unicorns. Now, get a $50 credit to give your first job posting premium placement at Indeed.com slash credit. Terms, conditions, quality standards and usage limits apply. Additional terms online. Don't blame that one on me. Blame that one on Andy. <laughs> Well, yes, <laughs> the wall. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. So listen, uh, uh, we got a lot that we want to get into, but let me get Rambo Jim on because I've had him on for quite a few minutes before we could get to him. Rambo Jim, how you doing out there? Yeah, how you doing, Nathan? Doing great. Good to hear from you again. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, nice, bright, sunny day. I'm looking out the window here. Yeah, well, it wasn't. it's not sunny anymore over here. <laughs> yeah, I know we're there was, you know, well, it's January. But anyway, uh, listen, uh, you know, um. <clears throat> They're talking about what federal workers mean. Well, this is where people go wrong. They'll look at somebody that's up at the top of the pay scale, and they'll quote that figure. But the average guy, girl, working down in the trenches, the average worker is not making 123000 No, as Tony said, the average worker is making somewhere around, across the board, is making somewhere around fifty one. 
uh, yeah, to that 60 or so. Yeah, right. that sounds about right. right. But they, you got to also count in, just to be fair to the Cato Institute, that I don't necessarily want to be fair to, but to be fair to them, you have to also then count in the stuff that's not in your check. So that's your retirement benefits, your health care benefits. And I can tell you as the person who pays the health care benefits for my employees, we average pretty close to $14,000 a head for each family. Uh, we have some families that cost us $22,000 a year uh, for their health insurance. So that's not in your fifty to $60,000 average income. That's additional compensation. So the people that, at the Cato Institute, they were looking at not just your direct pay, your gross pay, but they were also looking at your health insurance benefits, your uh, unemployment insurance, your yeah, workers' compensation, all, that, all in. that stuff in, right. Per hour, yeah. And they were still wrong. But but <laughs> that's what they were they were trying to do. See, like when I work for the state, like it's not the best job in the world working at a prison. So, like for instance, what they would do is, like you said, they factor in all your benefits. We got six weeks paid vacation, but we were allowed to do vacation swaps. So, like for me, I'm a big holiday guy. That's my favorite time of the year. Mm-hmm. So I would do vacation. Let's say, for instance, Nathan. You like to go to the beach in the summer, right? And we work together. Sure. And I like being off at Christmas. And you're a big summertime guy. Mm-hmm. I might say, hey, Nathan, listen, I got two weeks that I'm scheduled in July that I do not want. You're scheduled for two weeks in December. You want to swap. Mm-hmm. You can say yes. You can say no. But if you're a big summer guy, you're going to say yes. All right. You, you would want that deal. All right. You'd want that deal. Me, I didn't. The only... So I would work 46 weeks out of the year, take my, and I would do vacation swaps, take my six weeks starting like a uh, day or two before Thanksgiving and take the entire Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's off, go back to work, work about the 3rd or 4th of January. That's just the benefits that they give you to make up for the fact that it, it's not the best job in the world. That's not a job little boys don't, when they're little... Say, Mommy, when I grow up, I want to be a prison guard. Mm. That doesn't happen. So they try to compensate you and to do those jobs. And another thing, one day I was bored, and I decided to give Blackwater a call. I got one of the secretaries on the phone. I gave her my rundown going back to when I was 18 years old, enlisted, 82nd Airborne, New York State National Guard, 20-some years already, New York State Correction Officer. Then she gave me the sales pitch. To go to work for them. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of these public sector jobs, they're still competing against the private sector. Right. Because they will, like when I called her and got the secretary on the phone, right away she was all interested about me sending me the application and mailing me the application, blah, 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 you know, giving me the recruiting pitch right away. So keep in mind, a lot of these people in the private sector, they do try to lure these people away from and, their jobs. And the just to make sector. your point, Jim, the, the Blackwater uh, criminals that I, I refer to, they were charging the federal government fourteen to $1,500 a day for a worker over there in Afghanistan and, and, and uh, Iraq. Not fighting the war, they were doing the work that soldiers used to do. They were the ones that would walk people from the planes to the you know, wherever the meetings were going to be held, they were the yeah, ones the that, right, they, they shepherded sure. people all around. They didn't do any frontline fighting. But the Blackwater itself, uh, Eric Prince, 
they were getting fourteen to fifteen hundred dollars a day. They may have been paying those workers, you know, four or five hundred dollars or three or four hundred dollars a day, but they were getting fourteen or fifteen hundred dollars a day uh, from those workers. So the the, the the core point here is that uh, this this uh, uh, pension to try to attack federal workers as if there's some kind of pimps or pariahs or there are some kind of welfare case. Uh, this shutdown should have showed people that the federal workforce, they don't do things that are optional things. They're doing things that we need to have done collectively as a people that could not be done easily for you as an individual. In other words, you can't be your own airport security. You can't be your own baggage you know, a, a, a checker. You can't be the, the, the water tester. You can't be the food tester, you know, and so on. You have to have that done centrally, but everybody needs it done. That's what government is. Government is not some amorphous, amorphous them. Government is us. We're the government. When you were working as a prison guard, you were the government. You're not somebody else. You're the government. And can you imagine how you would felt if somebody said that you had to come to work for the next 35 days and I wasn't going to pay you and you had no idea when I was going to pay you because I was mad about somebody not building a wall on the southern border that you had absolutely no idea how that was going to be of any benefit to anybody, you know, whatsoever. How would you feel about that? Well, That's what's going like on say, right you now. Know, you know, it's like they say, though. When the elephants fight, the little bugs on the ground. There you, it's, it, right. It, it, it's the grass, right, that pays the price. Exactly. You know, exactly. So, uh, oh, uh, uh, Nathan, one final thing. I was watching uh, Bill Barr because at the beginning of his show, he had Ed Coulter on, which was interesting. Mm. But after Ed Coulter, he goes to his esteemed panel. And Ed Coulter, Barr, who you know, calls George, w, George H.W. Bush a wimp, a war yeah. hero. He's a wimp. But well, Ann anyway. Coulter, who hasn't done fought anything in her life other than run her mouth, she's supposed to be the hero. Yeah, well, Bill Maher asked her to run for president. But anyway. Um, or just uh, run. How about her? She, she, how about she just run and keep running? Okay. Uh, um, he, he had his panel out and he made the speech about, you know, Trump's a liar, Trump's a bum, Trump's no good, get tough on the Russians. And he's going on about, well, Trump, Trump's got to get real tough on the Russians, you know. They're evil and Putin's evil, so forth and so on. But, you know, I noticed he never said a single word about any of the kids in his family going down to the recruiting station. Well, I don't know about that. I don't know if that question was even asked of him, okay? Yeah, he made the speech about get tough with the Russians, and I'm thinking... Right, but but what is what what is him making a speech about getting tough with the Russians have to do with whether or not anybody in his family has fought well, or signed up? It, David, it's easy to encourage war it, when you when there's nobody in your family getting shot at. Th that's true. If so so kid, Don, Donald Trump, Donald Trump is the one who's been warmongering over the course of these last two years, and he's presented himself during the year running up to his election as Captain Warmonger, and yet uh, you, you didn't see Donald Trump signing up for any wars. In fact, when it was time for Donald Trump to sign up, he claimed he had bo bone spurs. Then he couldn't tell you which foot uh, the, the bone spurs were, were on. He just knew that, um, in fact, he actually said something salacious that, you know, his, uh, 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 his biggest danger was the possibility of him getting sick from having sex with people that he, he didn't know uh, uh, too often and so on. Well, I just want to make the point, Nathan, that I'm hoping you'll agree with me. Ninety-some percent of the all-volunteer military force is made up of all the smelly Walmart shoppers. 
Exactly. It's the people that have the fewest choices who often become the backbone of our armed services. And so we, we shouldn't treat them as if they're the bottom of the barrel. We should treat them as the heroic people that they are. And we should all stand behind them and not utilize them or, or abuse them, uh, using them to do things that they should not have to do. As I've said billions of times before, Afghanistan did not attack the United States. I'm not sure more than six people in Afghanistan even know where the United States is. You had some Saudi Arabian people who rented some land from some Taliban people in the Tora Bora Mountains to use that land to, to train people to, to carry out a strike against the United States. It was righteous for the United States to go in and try to get those people and punish them and bring them to account for what they did. That was done. Most of those people, if not, I think all but two of them are dead. And that was it. There was no reason to then attack Afghanistan and try to topple the government of Afghanistan. That regime change took the United States into a completely different arena. That was a voluntary military incursion. That was not us reacting to being attacked by somebody. Iraq had nothing to do with the 9-11 attack on the United States. Iraq didn't even like the people who were, the Al-Qaeda people that were involved in it. They didn't even like those people, barely would talk to those people. And yet the United States attacked them and toppled their government. And of course, we've been down this, you know, 15, 17 year slide where we spent trillions of dollars for virtually no gain whatsoever, and not only virtually no gain, it's the United States that, that disintegrated the political structures in that area and created the vacuum that was filled uh, by this entity that's called ISIS today, which has some al-Qaeda and other kinds of various elements of people who are anti-crusaders and whatever their, uh, uh, their spin is. The United States did this. We did this. And I'm not just blaming the Bushes. Barack Obama supported this. At least he he tried to contain it, you know, for the eight years that he was the president. You know, he didn't want to have to take on the onus of being the guy to end the war and take on all of the uh, abuse that he was going to get and was getting from uh, Republicans and so on. And so it's important for us to keep historical context in mind. Let's not look at these things as slivers. Let's look at these things as the mosaic of what they actually are. We are in the situation that we are in because we did this to ourselves. And the only way out is to admit that what you did was wrong. Sorry that I did it. It was other people who ruled before me. That was the, the choices that they made. I'm going to make different choices right now and stand behind those different choices. That's what's going to make America first. That's the way I see it, Jim. Yeah, you know, one final point on Afghanistan. I don't, did you see the movie 12 Strong? Yep. Remember what they said in the... the with that Muslim, what was it? The Muslim warlord, Look, the warlord, the right? American special forces captain. Mm -hmm. uh, Afghanistan is where empires go to die. I, I would let that, somebody else exactly call it. That's exactly right. Thanks, thanks, Jim. Yep. Appreciate you, man. Bye. All right. So listen, we're making a little change in the uh, the shifting over here. So let me kind of just uh, revisit with you, you know, a few things. Of course, the story of the day is the. Um, Final, uh, I hate to even call it a deal that was struck between uh, Donald Trump, Trump and uh, the Democratic leadership of the House and the Senate, because all we've done is taking the country back to where it was before Donald Trump brought this on uh, to us in the first place. What I really want people to focus on is that this is something that did not need to occur. 
you should do budget appropriations in the budget appropriations process. For whatever reason, we don't get budgets done as early as we used to. It used to be the budgets got done in April of this year for the year that's going to begin in sept uh, 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 September or, or October 1 of the following year. That was the way that we we did it. So in uh, 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 this year, uh, we should have been proposing a budget in February of this year, sometime between April and May of this year. We should have come to finalization on the budget. And then that budget is going to start in the year uh, that starts October 1 of this year and go to September 30th of the, the following year. That's how budgets are supposed to get done. But that's not what's going on right now. Now we've gotten into this hostage-taking protocol where people are doing things to try to bottle up government and then hold different parts of the, the, the population of the United States hostage in order to get whatever they want that they couldn't get through the regular uh, budgeting process. This is just unconscionable. This should not exist. You know, uh, I want to give Ron some time, so let, let's take our first break. And then, Ron, hold on one second. We're going to take our, our, our last break. Then I want to be able to talk to you for some uh, for some time. So if you all stick with us, we will sit on the set of the break here at Think Again. Think Again. Would you like to increase your home's value? Do you want to lower your energy bills? Are you in need of affordable financing for your next home improvement project? The CAO Home Improvement Resource Program can help. Just come to one of their monthly HIRP orientation sessions every first and third Wednesday of the month at two convenient locations. HIRP staff will help identify the resources you need to get financed, and they'll even help you with completing your application. Now, you won't know what you qualify for until you call. 332-3773. That's 332-3773. Learn about all the home improvement programs you may be eligible for and ask about the affordable financing program that can help turn your house into your dream home. Call 332-3773 for more info. It's the Home Improvement Resource Program. Restoring value to neighborhoods across Erie County, one house at a time. Brought to you by the Community Action Organization of Erie County. It's 3 p.m. For 50 million kids across America, school's out. And for a third of these kids, they're out on their own. Out with nothing to do and nowhere to go. Gives a whole new meaning to the 3 o'clock bell, doesn't it? It's time to support the Boys and Girls Clubs. Visit greatfutures.org. Are you a successful customer service professional with a tremendous amount of empathy? Then you're perfect for a career as a claims representative at GEICO. You receive paid training and amazing benefits. Visit geico.jobs buffalo to apply. You're listening to the official voice of the UB Bulls, ESPN 1520, WWKB Buffalo, a radio.com station. All right, welcome back. And of course, there's a question in that song, am I ever going to get it? And maybe I'm never going to get it. And that is, I think, how we can characterize what's going on with uh, Donald Trump and his allies uh, in the administration. But I want to grab Ron real quick. I know he's got some thoughts on this and see uh, his spin on what's been going on. Ron, how are you doing out there in Cheektowaga? Oh, yeah. Whoops, did I lose you? 
Oh, Ron, call back. There must have been a technical uh, glitch there. Call, call right back. Let me grab Bob real quick while we're waiting on – or did Ron get back? Yeah. L- yeah, let me get Bob first. Bob, how are you doing out there? Very good, Nathan. Uh, very nice to talk to you on a Saturday instead of a Monday. Yep, yep. Uh, two quick questions. Uh, the budget. They sit there and put things in the budget all the time. That's what they do in New York State. The governor uh, adds laws to the budget, and then they just vote on money appropriation, and we get stuck with laws that our Assembly and State Senate uh, don't even vote on. And then I have a technical question I want to ask you because you're much more uh, informed than I am. A child that is born from an illegal set of parents, or should I say undocumented, in this country is an American citizen, correct? Right. If you're born in the United States, does it, it doesn't matter whether your parents are um, uh, married or not. If you're born in the United States or any territory or dominion or protectorate of the United States, you are an American citizen by Constitution. Now, I got a question for you. In this state, they have just changed the Constitution and said that if you are born and actually are breathing during an abortion, you have no rights. You can be terminated. No, 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 no. The law didn't say if you were born and you are a a, a human being, a viable human being, you're born, you're birthed. You're a human being. You you don't lose your your your. There's no such thing as a law that takes away your rights to live if you're already alive. I've been listening to discuss this on other venues, and I'm not talking uh, 9:30. Other venues, and uh, and they're going well, to I, disagree I, with you. I'll look it up for you. And I'll give you. Thank I'll you, give Nathan. you chapter and verse. Talk okay. You later. Thanks, God Bob. Bless. All right. Let me get Ron real quick and get his thoughts. Ron, how are you doing out there? Okay, not bad. Uh, I, did you did you guys hang up on me? I don't quite what happened. No, there. you were. We, I was connecting to you, and all of a sudden, you just went off the screen. Oh, okay, no, because I said what I said, and I hope this isn't, I was going to joke around a little. I said, is Rambo Jim mellowing out? Because <laughs> no, he seemed, you've actually called He did him, seem, he seemed more mellow than he normally no, no, is. He's actually sounding intelligent. I won't call him a flaming left-wing liberal, but he's actually agreed with you. Now, I, I guess he just, I, I, funny, I was, I was going to say, I was going to say, but he just called up. Uh, <laughs> I haven't heard him in, in months now, but old Bob called up. I was going to say, with his, because he doesn't call regularly anymore, and with, mm-hmm. with Jim, with Jim sounding kind of moderate and mellow and stuff, I, what's poor John in Rochester going to do? <laughs> he's got no allies anymore. But anyway, I guess Bob is back. So I don't anyway. know. Maybe John in Rochester will mellow out a little bit too. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Anyway, but uh, a couple of things. I, I this so-called uh, victory or whatever you want to call it yesterday. Right. You know, damn well it's going to just start in three weeks again. Exactly. Because they're they're not going to give in. Uh, on the wall. The wall is just that unpopular. I'm sorry for people who somehow think it's some great thing. It, it's just 70% of the people are against it. I mean, it's just not, it's a, if, the, if the Democrats caved in on that themselves, they would be hurt. They, they know that. So that. But the thing is, Trump won't, it doesn't seem to care. He thinks, I don't know, he'll play this game for a few more months or maybe up till the, the, you know, the real election season proper or late next fall. And then he'll drop it. Uh, but for some reason now, I don't quite understand what their thinking is on it, what they think they can do with it. Well, uh, I tell you, I heard a lady on the radio uh, last night. She said something. I was, it was on NPR. She said something that made an ounce of sense to me. What she said was that she felt that Trump 
looked at, at the tea leaves and he says, man, I'm going to miss my shot at being able to do the State of the Union address in front of the joint sessions of Congress and have the entire world looking at me. If I do this address over at you know somebody's coffee shop, it's not going to have the same import. And so he was willing to sacrifice doing the, sh- the shutdown now and end it so he could get to do his State of the Union address and then come back and do the same, you know, grandstanding thing, you know, uh, uh, February 10th or whatever this thing is supposed to, uh, uh, February 9th when this is supposed to end. Yeah, but he also wants to be reelected, I would think. And uh, uh, so, uh, but I, I heard other people seem to think, and this is, you know, just speculation, that he's doing this to shore up his base to prevent somebody from primarying him primarying him is there such a word you know right. running against him in the primary mm-hmm. so, you know you'll hear him keep noise being made about the rumors about romney perhaps and even though he lost to obama that to try to save the party you know so they do respectably in uh, 2020 you hear all sorts of stuff like that but it, it doesn't make sense but i unfortunately i think three weeks from now we're going to be in the same bag again because i agree he just I, doesn't get it and, I, uh, I think that mrs pelosi and mr schumer and their allies, they have to say that this can never happen again. A, you got to fund the government to the end of the fiscal year and stop doing this, you know, piecemeal funding of the government during the course of, uh, of a year, number one. And number two, you have to stop hostage taking. This cannot be allowed to be a legitimate strategy for negotiations. You and I have been alive for a while. How long have we been alive and you never saw this occur. People yeah, fought about different policy positions, and they just fought. Didn't but, that start with the Gingrich, with the Gingrich yep, Revolution, yep, where twice they shut it down yep, with Clinton? Yep. Uh, one time was for about three weeks, other time was for a few days. Yep, yep. And then it happened again under, under Obama for a short period of yep. time. So it seems to be their brinksmanship tactic now that, that uh, when they don't get their way, they will. Uh, they can hold the country hostage for that. I don't know if you can pass legislation. How how would that would work to be able to do that? I don't uh, know. There should be some kind of law, though. You know, against this. That that should not be okay. You get you get hired to run the government. How can you run the government into the ground when you get paid to run the government? That just doesn't make well, any sense. I mean, right? and, and apparently it's just part of this real rigid no copy. Remember back before, after the 1967 war, I like to make parallels because it sounds very similar. Uh, after the 1967 war with, uh, between, uh, when Israel won that right. big victory, okay, right. the Arabs the had seven the days three, no, war. three mm-hmm. no's. Remember the three no's? No uh, no compromise with Israel, yep. no let up of sanctions, and no peace with Israel. Yep. Well, that seems to be the Republican Party now, with respect to since Gingrich, no compromise with the Democrats, uh, no uh, uh, let up of uh, what is it? Uh, well, anyways, it's, it's like three no's. Like mm-hmm. no compromise with the Democrats, no negotiation whatsoever, and uh, absolutely no no give on anything. So that appear, appears to be their their ap- approach to uh, to p- politics now since Gingrich. And uh, it, uh, I don't know. The people in this country have to come together and say that you have a body of people that may be 30, 32%, 35% of the population who are willing to sacrifice all of the interests in this country as long as you look like you're supporting the idea of some you know, sort of American nativist, you know, uh, uh, construction of the United States, they will, they're willing to allow everything else to be, you know, just distorted and, 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 and twisted. And as long as you're going to fight for that 
white nationalist or American nationalist kind of a, uh, a structuring of this country. Yeah, that has to be resisted. We have to stop that. I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't yeah. care what backwoods you come from or what frontwoods you come from. I know that there are people all over this country that have these kinds of feelings. Yeah, I know. I see it. I definitely see it. Yep. Uh, one other thing. Uh, this uh, Oliver, uh, Oliver, this Roger Stone stuff. Right. You see, did you read through the indictments of this of this bizarre, bizarre world? He threatened the guy's dog. Yep. You see that? Yeah. Yep. Just when you think this whole Trump association can't get any more bizarre, he, he threatened to well, I'll take your dog or so. I can't remember it word for it, but I'll take your dog. This you is one of these again. these these <laughs> privileged people that went to school with with Donald Trump, you know, and they they formed a a little uh, a legal uh, a law practice and so on. But they had this sort of cult gangster mentality that they could just do whatever they wanted, whatever way they wanted, and their connections and their families and you know their money would be able to to, to get them past it. And this has become behavior. And well, yeah, th- but threatening the guy's dog, and it, Ron, apparently Ron, they brought the guy brought the dog into the grand jury or something. Yeah, yeah. Ron, <laughs> I want to put another I thought mean, in. I've never heard. This is incredible. Right. I just I, cannot believe something. I, I want to put another thought in your head, and, and let's do some some research on this. It, it seems to me that Donald Trump has you know a relationship with the Slavic Eastern European community that may have connections with the Russian dynasties over there. Uh, Michael Cohen is married into that family structure, too. And it seems to me that there is a few people that are in the the sphere of Donald Trump who are married to people who their family connections uh, have to do with these Eastern European folks where these Russian mafia folks are uh, at least conversant. They are part of the show over there, the Deutsche Bank and all of that stuff. And yes, I'm just right. wondering, is there something to that? Is that the is that the road or, uh, or route that this relationship between Donald Trump and these Eastern uh, 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 oligarchs uh, arose? A fair number in that alt right circle, the richer types, seem to have that. And that's uh, you remember you you read Malcolm Nance's book about yeah. uh, about that, and he, he seems to think that there's evidence that. Putin is very definitely very uh, anti-Semitic and very, you know, he's anti-Semitic very much on the social issues along the line of, like, say, the Christian right mm-hmm. and the white supremacist groups in this country as apparently uh, elements that seems to be really circumstantial evidence that people like Trump and Eric Prince and, and the Mercers and, and these other people that are these billionaire types are also into this stuff. So it, could it be true that, that uh, there is a, this is kind of a white supremacist plot type of thing? That, I, I mean, it's just you know, weird, I, but, but... I know what's going to sound crazy. When we were kids, yeah. we used to talk about these Bilderbergers, right? <laughs> that yeah, were... well, <laughs> Go well, ahead. There was a secret group that was set up, this is, this is true, called Bilderberg that was uh, uh, set up by the CIA as a group of uh, right-wing businessmen in, in Western Europe, it was, and the United States to fight uh, pro- communist propaganda in what, the late 50s, I believe. Mm-hmm. But a lot of things are attributed to by people like, I don't know, Alex Jones and these people that I think are a little bizarre, but you do kind of wonder, are there elements of bits of truth of stuff, if, if, if only a good old boys network of billionaires, which can have significant you know, influence politically yeah. if they spend their money in the right places politically. I'm going to do a little research on that, but I got to run. I got two, two yep. more calls. I got it in this break. Thanks, thanks, Ron. I appreciate you, man. Let me get Mark, and then we'll get John on. Mark, how you doing out there? Hey, Nathan. Hey. Hello, fellow peasant. 
<laughs> I, I feel a little bit better, but not much better with this deal. I got to tell you. That. Hey, you can't, Nancy. You can't negotiate with a liar. Exactly. You can't. You can't negotiate with the liar. Yep. Remember that conference they had? He 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 invited all the press in so he could try to try to uh, embarrass her in front of everybody. Yep. She put him in his place. Then he side-handed Chuck Schumer said, I was going to call it the Pelosi shutdown. Try to get Chuck on his side. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. And that really pissed him like off. Like he's going to do a men against women kind of a thing, yeah. right? Yeah. That really pissed him off. And isn't, isn't that his M.O. not paying people? That's what he always does. Yeah. This guy probably owes 4 or $5 billion to people that he hasn't paid over the course of the past 40 years. And Nathan, I want to get your, I want to get, this has been in my mind. You know, we just did a coup against Venezuela. Yep. Yep. Nobody will take credit for it, but that's exactly what's gone on. We did an out-and-out coup. Did you hear Pompeo? Yep. Boy, he's a real meathead. Yep. He, he, we did an out-and-out coup, and you, now we're taking in refugees from Venezuela. So we can't take them from any place else in the, in the uh, Central America, but we can take them from South America now, right? And you know, <laughs> the coup lasted... As long as it's shut down. Yep. Yep. Ah, look at this shiny thing. <laughs> while we're while we're screwing up the whole uh, uh, South America. Exactly. And and everybody out there who thinks these trade wars are good, America, you're paying every dime of it. And I'm telling you, the price we're going to pay for backing out of the TP. Uh, t, uh, t, t, uh, TPC, the Trans-Pacific uh, uh, Partnership Agreement with the uh, Pacific Rim uh, nations, it's going to be the farmers in this country are going to pay the price. You're not going to be able to sell beef because it's going to cost you about 30% more to buy beef uh, than it would be to buy the beef from Japan or someplace else. I mean, this is all going to blow up in our faces. When you hire hollow people whose only goals are self-aggrandizement, you get what we're about to get right now. That's why I think he's he's going to try to lose this next one. Yep. You know, and put it on someone else. Yep. Put it on it because they always put a Democrat in to fix the fix the <laughs> Right. Exactly. And, but I don't know if this one can be fixed. Yep. Thanks, right, Mark. David. Appreciate you, man. I'll talk to you next week. Let's get John on and finish out the hour. John, how are you doing there? Yeah. All right. Good to hear from you. Hey. Uh, yeah. Just tuning in late here. I'm on my way to work, but. Uh, I think what you were talking about with the TPP is about equivalent to Brexit. You know, it's what it's what Russia and China would want us to do. Mm -hmm. or, you know, political adversaries. You know, by weakening the EU, by you know weakening our economic power. It's really it's right out of their playbook. All this stuff Trump is running with, and it's uh, it's pretty scary. You know, I get the impression it's kind of what Ron was just talking about, that you've got this this body of I'm just going to call them oligarchs. I don't even want to make it like nation to nation, but I mean, billionaire to billionaire kind of people. And within them, they've got deals that they want to work on how they want to move money around the world, who gets control of, control of this or that. And so these are not people that are making decisions based on what's good or bad for countries. They're making decisions about what's good or bad for the, the oligarchs that they're that are in this circle of huge, hugely rich people um, that are basically doing machinations, you know, on the world. Uh, this Jeffrey Bezos, for example, this guy is worth one hundred and forty billion dollars. 
there are probably only 12 or 13 nations in the entire world that are worth $140 billion, right? Just bizarre. Well, it's, you know, it's, oh, and, and, you know, it's the money, and we're, you know, money equals oil in this world still. And you look at all the crazy stuff with, uh, you know, the money laundering at the Russian banks and the, the former Soviet uh, states that are now, you know, separate. But there's a lot of oil in that area of the world, like around, uh, I guess you call it the North Middle East, you know, Kazakhstan and all those places. Right. And, uh, and, you know, there's, you know, there's a lot of oil everywhere. I mean, Indonesia has a lot of oil, so I'm sure that's affected by the TPP. See, and what, what's important to understand is the, the European nations are accustomed to dealing with, the Western European nations are accustomed to interacting with the Eastern European nations. They're custom, accustomed to interacting with the Middle Eastern nations because they're all like a hodgepodge of fairly small countries, in, especially in relation to something like the United States. And they're accustomed to these interstate relationships. They talk, they're talking to each other all the time. But in America, when's the last time you talked to somebody in uh, Pakistan or Azerbaijan or Romania, you know, or, or George, Soviet uh, Georgia? It's divide and conquer, you know. And the one thing that uh, would have been good probably is, I don't know if the Ottoman, Ottoman Empire would have mm-hmm. stayed together forever would have been a great thing. But if, <laughs> if those Middle East states had some kind of a block like the European Union, call it the Middle Eastern Union or whatever, where they would have had the power to stay together and have their own, you know, agenda and policies and instead of being separated and pushed around by Russia and the United States and all the wars that we start for oil. You know what would have been sweet if the Middle Eastern countries had just said, well, Israel's here, we got to live with it, and they all came together with Israel in the mix and became like a block of just Middle Eastern countries um, with Israel as a part of those Middle Eastern countries. Yeah, Israel might not have had any oil, but tourism would have been big there. Yeah, you know, absolutely. The of all the religion. Absolutely. People, uh, you'd have that. You would go, uh, be the holy site. Right. You'd have that. You would have technology, you know, on your side from uh, uh, Israel. They have really good water uh, desalinization plants, you know, and so on, which has to be important to people that live on the uh, uh, Saharan uh, uh, or, or you know, that, that, that coast, the northern coast of, uh, of Africa and so on. Um, I mean, it, it seems to me like if you could just set aside all of the religious issues and all of the I'm mad at you issues, you know, about the creation of Israel in the first place and just looked at this. Yeah. yeah, just look at this as an economic, you know, political, you know, entity that protects the interests of the people in that area of the world. Man, I think that would be a heck of a block, you know. Well, you know <laughs> Israel, Israel was part of its own fate because uh, I've read some books about it and. They actually went out. There were thriving Jewish communities, say, in Tehran and Baghdad. Right. And they went out and purposely, uh, their spies, basically, and saboteurs went in and got the people against them and got drove them out because they needed immigration into Israel. Right. So right. They wanted people to, to, to... Jewish to, settlements in these old right. Arabian cities. Yep. They, the Israelis forced them all, but basically through espionage to they they really felt like their best choice was to move to uh, Israel yep 
So, yep. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks, John. I appreciate you, man. We got a lot more we're going to be talking about over the course of the next few weeks. This is an interesting time, and paying attention is the best way. We'll see you all next week here at Think Again. Think Again. See you all then. You've been listening to Think Again with L. Nathan Hare, sponsored by the Community Action Organization of Erie County. Be sure to tune in again next week at this same time for more Think Again.